0: I want you to remember that God, God's created everything you see. He breathed it into existence. You remember when his people were caught up in slavery, he rescued them. What he did was he parted the sea. And he made a way for them. And then he delivered their enemies to them. And he unlocks wounds. And he provides water from a rock. And he provides manna from heaven. And he brought down the walls of Jericho. He froze the sun allowing victory. He's toppled giants with tiny stones. He's brought fire from heaven. He's shut the mouths of lions. He preserved life in the belly of a well. He's fed thousands with a few loaves. He gives the weak strength. He heals the sick. He's made the blind see the deaf ear the mute speak the lame walk and he's overcome evil and he's made a way through death for you and me by the death and the resurrection as a son Jesus Christ that we will live with him forever we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever what are we afraid of his resume is flawless he controls everything And he loves you.
1: Good morning, and thanks for tuning in today. I made the decision this last week to divert from the Kingdom Values series I started last Sunday. I just felt like a different kind of message was needed today as we've seen the coronavirus spread and as greater restrictions have been imposed. So I want to talk to you today about fear. If you were a kid growing up in the 70s and 80s like me, then you will remember this popular song by Billy Joel. Those are just part of the lyrics of billy joel's 1980s rock anthem we didn't start the fire in the song he highlights many of the topics in modern history which produced fear in people because each generation has those problems and issues that confront it and produce fear we have no shortage of fear in our country do we just turn on the news and you'll hear about terror attacks stock market crashes mass shootings locusts ravaging africa earthquakes, hurricanes, and of course, the latest fear monger, coronavirus. That word has created a lot of fear in our culture. In fact, more fear than I have ever seen in my lifetime. Some fear for their health, others fear for their finances that are getting gobbled up with each drop of the stock market. Others fear that they may have to permanently shut down their small business if the bans aren't lifted. Some people are losing their jobs because of shutdowns and don't know how they'll survive without an income. This is why I appreciate a recent photo that says, the latest numbers on the coronavirus, 100% of the world still under God's control. Now, I've told you before that the most common repeated command in the Bible is the command, do not be afraid, fear not. Over and over again, we find this command both in the Old Testament and New Testament. The question is though, why does God have to repeat that command so often to us? It's because to be human is to fear. Did you know that the first human emotion recorded in the Bible is fear? There are so many things in this world that raise our fear factor. The French philosopher Montaigne wrote, "'My life has been full of terrible misfortunes, most of which never happened.'" You know what he means there? that most of the fears in our life are concocted in our minds, and they never come to reality. Anybody remember Y2K? The sky is falling. There's going to be a worldwide collapse of computer systems and power grids and financial institutions. So let's fuel up our generators and get our solar panels installed and get food and water and guns and and everything we can stocked up. And Y2K came and went. And one guy over in Bippus had his PC crash, and that was about it. A sociologist named Barry Glasner wrote a book a few years ago called The Culture of Fear. He said, and I quote, We're the most worried society in all of history. While life expectancy has nearly doubled in the last century, and we have cures to more diseases than any other time in history, and while no other group of human beings has been healthier or lived longer, no other group of human beings has ever been more worried about their health. We fear. We fear lots of things. Fear strikes in the home of a five-year-old on the first day of kindergarten. There's fear in the eyes, anxiety, weeping and gnashing of teeth going on. And finally, the little kid looks at his mother and says, geesh mom, I'll be okay, I'll be back home in three hours. What is interesting is that in the Bible, you will find two groups of people who look at the same set of circumstances and one responds with faith and the other responds with fear. Same circumstances, but completely different perspectives. For instance, 12 spies go out to spy on the land of Canaan. 10 of them come back all nervous and anxious, saying, we can't take the land because the inhabitants are too big and they will crush us for sure. However, the other two spies, Joshua and Caleb, come back and through the lens of faith, they say, with a God who is greater than what we fear, we can do this let's be bold and courageous also remember the little boy named david just a teenager going to visit his brothers on the battlefront to take them some food and he sees all the soldiers shaking in their boots because they are fearful of a giant named goliath and this little shepherd boy looks at the same circumstance through the lens of faith and he takes down that giant now faith is not blind and faith is not dumb. A few weeks ago, I got to preach at a church in Guatemala. Our whole team was there, and we got to participate in a Guatemala worship service. Now, after I was through delivering my message, one of the local pastors came up to preach. And I think he got everyone's attention when he said, pretty matter-of-factly, that if you know God and love God, you will not get coronavirus. And sitting in the second row, was a dear woman who obviously had cancer and was losing her hair because of the chemotherapy treatments. Does she not know and love God? The Bible never promises an absence of hardship and pain. What it does promise is presence, God's presence. Listen to Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble therefore we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake and they're surging we will not fear and while these are easy words to read if you're like me they're difficult to practice so here's a question what if faith was your reaction to whatever you were facing today? What if you just let go of fear and unconditionally trusted God? I think that's so important that we need to declare that today. We declare that we will let go of fear and unconditionally trust God. Will you repeat that after me? We will let go of fear and unconditionally trust God. No matter what happens in this life, no matter how daunting the news headlines are, no matter how bad the economy gets, no matter what my doctor says, my financial advisor says, no matter who gets elected president in November, no matter what blows into our lives, what blows into our church, our response will always be, we will let go of fear and unconditionally trust God. To trust simply means to be convinced of God's reliability that he's dependable, that he's faithful. And Jesus never asked his disciples to trust God. No, he commanded it. He expected it. He said in John 14one don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Trust was not some concept on the outer fringes of Jesus' teaching. It was at the very heart of everything he taught. He says it 21 times. It's the command, fear not, Take courage. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Trust is to be convinced of the reliability of God. I love the story that John Ortberg shares about a time when he was a little boy and he would play this game called Daddy Home. So he would hear his dad come home from work He would hear the door shut, and he would just go tearing down the stairs, and he would be like five stairs up, and he would leap off of that stair into the arms of his six-foot-two, 200-pound dad, a big guy who would always catch him. He was convinced of the reliability of his dad. One day, though, his mom pulled him aside because apparently his dad just couldn't bring himself to do it. And so his mother had a little conversation with him and said, You can't play daddy home anymore. She said, well, you know, it's not because your dad doesn't love you anymore. He does, and it's not because he won't always be there for you. You know he'll always be there, but you know, you're 48 years old now, and dad's 82, and his arms just aren't what they used to be, and you're gonna hurt your dad. Every pair of arms is gonna wear out someday, whether that is a person, a place, or a thing. Everything will fail you if that thing isn't God. Everything we jump into for safety, to shelter us from our fears, won't be dependable. It's not going to be trustworthy. So we don't live in fear, but we live in faith because God is able. He's trustworthy. He's reliable. My favorite verse in all the Bibles found in John 16:33. here's what Jesus says. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world you know what Jesus is saying? I got you. I just don't know how many Christians believe this anymore. There are days by the way I live, by the way I think, by the way I act, that my life doesn't demonstrate that I believe it. So maybe I shouldn't speak for you. Maybe you believe it and maybe you don't. I think most of us like to fix things on our own. We like to lean on our own strength and our own understanding. And so we pray shallow little Christian prayers about trusting God, even though our lives don't indicate that kind of trust. This is why I love the story of three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three young men who were in a foreign land with foreign gods, and one day they find themselves being pressured to bow down and worship a foreign god. And they didn't respond with fear, but with great faith. Here's the ultimatum they were given by the king. The book of Daniel, chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? You can just feel the arrogance there, can't you? And I want you to listen to their response. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. In other words, this is a no-brainer for us. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Our God is able. Our God is able. Did you catch that? In other words, the God we serve is not some man made thing like this golden statue you've put together. The God we serve is not some figment of imagination. He's not some myth. He's not the brainchild of weak-minded people. The God we serve is real and he's powerful and he towers above history and he's above your life and it is through his power and authority, King, that you set on your throne. And to him, this furnace you speak of is only a spark and our God is able to deliver us and he will deliver us. God is able, friends. He is able to restore broken marriages. I've seen it with my own eyes. What about addiction? God is able. What about a sickness, a disease, a diagnosis? God is able. I've seen healing that can't be explained medically. What about the darkest and deepest part of ourselves that we can't imagine God ever forgiving and redeeming? God is able. What about that wayward spouse or that prodigal child? God is able. What about the future of our country and who is leading? God is able. Let's live like that is true and see what God might do if we live that way. But that's not where the story ends. There's a part coming that is so amazing that it reveals how shallow my own faith can be at times, and it will help us prepare in faith for whatever's coming so that we won't cower in fear. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. These three men are about to be executed because none of their prayers had been answered. You know that they had to pray the Babylonians wouldn't invade their homeland, but they did. You know they prayed that their holy places and their temple wouldn't be desecrated, but they were. And you know that these men prayed that the young men and young women of their country would not be taken into exile and that families would be broken up, but they were. And you know that they prayed that when the music was played and everybody else bowed down to worship the golden image, that nobody would notice that they weren't bowing down. But people did notice. So prayer after prayer after prayer went unanswered. And yet their belief in a God who was able didn't falter one bit. Fear was replaced by faith. Daniel 3.17 If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. When God comes through, when he delivers, heals, restores, makes your dreams come true, it's so easy to be filled with love, gratitude, worship, and praise. But what about when he doesn't answer your prayers, then what? Is God fired? Is God demoted? Is God on probation with you because he didn't meet your demands for what your life and your future were to look like? Can you say, God is able, but even if he doesn't, I will not fear and will still serve him. Do you have an even if kind of faith? Will you trust God even if it means you will be lonely? even if it means you won't be cured, even if your spouse doesn't change, even if your child continues in rebellion, even if you lose your money and your job. Daniel 3.19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent that the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Gee, I wonder who that fourth man might be. Who can cheat death, appear from nowhere, and has a resemblance to the son of God? We know, don't we? Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. Remember this friends, these three men didn't avoid the furnace, they went right into it. When they were about to experience what looked like the worst possible ending, it became the greatest experience of their life because that is where they met God. And that is where their faith blossomed in a way it never would have had they not went into the furnace. And it is very often the same for us. The fiery trial we are praying so hard to avoid is so often the place where God will meet us. So know this, there is never a furnace you find yourself in where God will not be with you. He's the fourth man in the fire. And that's the promise. God is able But even if he doesn't, he is still with me, no matter what. And had these men just cowered to their fears and bowed down and given up, just think of all they would have missed. They were hoping to get delivered from the furnace, but God decided to deliver them in the furnace. Some of you feel the heat of the furnace in your life right now. Your fears about your family, your future, finances, health, fears for your country are mounting. And today, you just need to pray and release those fears and unconditionally trust God. Let me take you back to Psalm 46, one of the most popular verses from all the Psalms. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Now, I think by and large, this text is usually misinterpreted. The psalmist isn't just saying calm yourself and get into some meditative position. No, what it literally means is to surrender. Lay down your fears, your anxiety, your angst, and acknowledge that whatever it is that has you fearful, that thing pales in comparison to the might and the power and the authority, and most importantly, to the love of God. So step back, open your eyes, and acknowledge who I am and what I can do, God says. Let me be God. See, here's the irony. Even though the Bible always says, fear not, in the Bible, whenever God showed up, the typical reaction was not, hey, cool, God's here. No, the typical reaction was fear and terror. You wet your pants and fainted kind of fear. Because God's holiness, his majesty, and his power were just overwhelming. In fact, the Bible talks a lot about the fear of the Lord, how it's the beginning of wisdom. And we think, well, that's contradictory. If the most common command of scripture is fear not, and then every time God shows up, people fear, how does that compute? Listen, when you really figure out who God is, this God who created everything controls everything, reigns supremely over everything. It terrorizes you as you realize how insignificant you are compared to him. But then this God says to you, do not be afraid of me. I came to be close to you and walk with you. When Jesus walked on this earth, this big, terrifying God of the universe said, let me get small enough so that you can feel my presence, so that you can know I love you. And the Bible says it's in this perfect love of God found in Jesus Christ that cast out all fear. Let me give you an end with a scripture. 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever circumstance, whatever it is that's conjuring fear in your life, you can rest assured that God is there with you no matter what fire you find yourself in. Let's pray about this right now as we end this service. Father, we thank you that you are all powerful, that there's nothing that happens that you don't know about that there's nobody on this earth that you don't care about. So, Father, I pray that we will do as we talked about today, that is we will release all of our fear, and we will unconditionally trust you because you are trustworthy. So, Lord, let us live and even rest in these promises of your word, that you're there, you're in control, and you love us. And that should be enough to get us through any fire that comes our way. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.